you have your Bibles tonight and you would, find with me Matthew, the 14th chapter, as we're going verse by verse through the book of Matthew. Uh, you can also find this passage of Scripture in the book of Mark and the book of John, uh, but for our study, we're going verse by verse through Matthew. If you want, you're also welcome to flip over to Isaiah 30, verse 18. I want to read a verse to you tonight, and I really want you to think about this verse as we look at this passage of Scripture. And I want you also to think about this verse in how your life and my life uh, seems to go sometimes. In Isaiah 30, verse 18, the Bible says these words, Therefore the Lord will wait, that he may be gracious to you. And therefore he will be exalted, that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. Now I want you to listen to those first few words again because I think it's very important when you and I start realizing how God sometimes work in our life. Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. Sometimes God waits so that he will bless you later. And sometimes God waits so that he can exalt himself more. As we're going through the book of Matthew, we are tonight starting in verse 22. Last time we were together, we looked at how Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And we looked at how John the Baptist, at the beginning of that passage of Scripture, it had just been brought to his attention that John the Baptist had been executed. And we looked at how in your lowest point, sometimes God does his greatest works. So we looked at how John the Baptist had was the first to recognize Jesus in the womb as he leapt inside of his own mother. And so we looked at that identity and, and, and that relationship and just how that would have caused great grief and pain, but yet Jesus still was moved by compassion to minister to them. Tonight I want to talk to you about growing in the storms of life. You say, preacher, I don't think you got that right. Growing in the storms of life, that's exactly what I said. So many times we think that our spiritual growth happens in the blessings. So many times we think that our spiritual growth happens in the easy times. But spiritual growth really is mostly accomplished when God has you in the valleys. When God has allowed you to go through the storms. You say, Jake, well, I've grown enough. I, I don't want to grow anymore. Well, if you're in a season of blessing tonight, and you're in a season of God is pouring out his blessings in so many ways, and you're not in a storm, be thankful. And I think that's a, mis, uh, a misconception that sometimes we feel guilty when we're not going through a storm and someone else is. But I've pastored long enough tonight to know that outside of the first few rows, because only one person is brave enough to sit there, uh, every row has pain in the chair. It might not be your family tonight, but I can promise you, if you were to go just a few seats to the left or a few seats to the right, someone is going through a storm. And tonight I want to talk to you about how you can grow in the storms. 
Maybe tonight the sermon would be better if you thought about finding peace in the storm. But either way, tonight I want to show you that God is at work even in the storms of your life. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, I've been finishing early on Sunday night, so I'm going to read a little bit of Scripture to you tonight, starting in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when the evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Pray with me tonight. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And tonight, Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. Lord, that you would work in spite of me. Lord, I pray tonight that your word would go forth. Lord, your spirit would work and move in this place tonight. Lord, and you would accomplish great things for your glory. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you're taking notes tonight, and I hope that you will, the first thing I want to show you tonight is storms come to all people. Storms come to all people. You could put storms come to all families. Storms come to all individuals. But at some time in your life, you are going to hear a doctor's report that wrecks your world. There will be times when you get that phone call that you've lost someone that you didn't think it was their time to go. There will be times when you'll get calls from other people and you'll be betrayed and hurt by people that you thought you would never be betrayed and hurt from. And what we see in this text tonight is very something very important. And it's this simple idea that in the storms of life, it is so easy sometimes for us to think that God doesn't see me. Maybe the waves around my boat are too high. Maybe the storm clouds overhead are too black. But in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, in describing the same situation, I want you to hear what Jesus was doing when he was in this moment of being alone. In Mark chapter 6, verse 48, it says, Then he saw who? Them. You see, even though Jesus was up on the mountain, even though Jesus was in a time of prayer when they were rowing and they were struggling and they were afraid that the boat was going to be overtaking, Jesus saw them. And tonight I want you to hear this. If you are going through a storm, if you are being overwhelmed, if you don't know how you're going to make it, if you don't know how your family is going to make it, I want you to know that God sees your pain. God sees the struggle. God sees the heartache. God sees everything. And tonight you need to be reassured that just like he saw them, he sees you. But it doesn't stop there. Then he saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against them. Second thing I want to show you about all of us having storms in our life is not only does God see you in your storm, there are two types of storms that God uses. And I didn't come up with these catchy phrases. That goes all to Dr. Rogers. There are correcting storms and there are perfecting 
storms. Think about this. Jonah was in a correcting storm. Jonah was running from the will of God, from the mission of God, and God used a storm and a fish to what? Correct him. God said, go here, and Jonah went there. But I want you to hear that the disciples were exactly where God had told them to be. They were in a place of obedience. Immediately, who? Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. You see, Jesus, in this instance, is not correcting them. He is perfecting their faith. He is putting them in a situation that is going to cause them to have to grow in their faith. Now, I know what you've heard on television. You've heard the Mercedes and money preachers. Right? That as long as you obey God and as long as you give enough money, as long as you send in big checks, Jesse will tell you that you'll have a Mercedes in the driveway. You'll have more money than you can spend. But what the disciples experienced here is when God has looked at you and he has looked at your faith and says they are at a point where I'm going to stretch them. I'm going to grow them. I'm going to make them step out from where they are to where I can use them to change them and to cause them to grow. You see, the disciples were on cloud nine. They literally had no food, and Jesus turned a little bit of food into a lot of food. I'm sure the people that had been fed were talking about, aren't Jesus and his disciples amazing? Can you believe that? They fed us and fed us and fed us. No one ever leads a good buffet unhappy, amen? And so you can just imagine the disciples were thinking, hey, we, 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 at, least we, uh, at least we told Jesus there was no food. At least we broke it up and took it to people. And in that moment of where they think they had finally arrived, God says, I'm going to stretch you. And tonight I want you to know this. I don't care how long you have been saved or how much of your Bible you think you know or how wise you think you have become or how amazing as a Sunday school teacher you think you are. God wants to grow your faith. God will put you in situations that says you think you've arrived in your walk with the Lord. I'm going to use you even more. You say, Jake, I don't want to be stretched anymore. I don't want to be used anymore. Well, the great thing is God knows what's best, and you and I don't. But listen to what Jesus tells them about why they went through what they went through. In Mark chapter 6, verse 52. For they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. You say, wait a second. These are the disciples. How could their hearts be hardened after they just saw what Jesus had done? The miracle that he had worked. Look up here, friends. You can be in the crowd. You can be a part of the work. And you can still have your heart in the wrong place. You can teach Sunday school for the wrong reasons. You can give your tithes and offerings for the wrong reasons. You can give out candy on a Monday night or Saturday night or whatever that night was for the wrong reasons. You can sit on those chairs for the wrong reasons. And what Jesus is saying, the disciples had missed the point. They didn't fully understand what was going on. We don't know if it's a pride issue. We don't know if it's just a, 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 we don't know what's going on. But Jesus says, you're not where you need to be yet in your faith. And a time of blessing wasn't enough to get you there. Please don't miss this tonight. 
God's blessing and working through them to feed the thousands was not enough to stretch their faith where they were where God wanted them to be. But listen to what happens. Listen to what happens here. It goes on in verse 23 and says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, I want to ask you a question. Who do you think that he was praying for? Them. He knew their heart. The Bible says that God makes intercession for us. I can't take credit for this either, but I heard Dr. Adrian Rogers say one time, I want to give you a blessing that you can realize that you're on Jesus' prayer list. He makes intercession for you and I. I believe that being on someone's prayer list is one of the greatest privileges that you can have because prayer matters. I appreciate that. No wonder people aren't being saved. Ain't no one think prayer works around here. Thankfully, the Lord sends us people we don't even invite. He'll save them that way. But prayer works. And God's people are to be praying continually. And so Jesus is praying for them. Jesus is looking at them. He is seeing their struggles. And I want you to hear this because I think it is amazing. Back in Mark, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 14, verse 20, have you ever noticed how many baskets were left over? So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now, this is just Jacob Gray's speculation. You can do what you want with it, how you want to, and you can ignore it completely. Do you ever wonder if each one of those disciples took a basket of leftover food and said, we'll eat this later? Can you imagine if each one of those disciples got on that boat, put that basket of food in front of them, and they had a leftover of the miracle that God had worked at their feet, but it wasn't enough to keep them from doubting God. They had just seen Jesus feed the multitudes. The leftovers were there in 12 baskets. How many disciples were there? Twelve. And yet here it is in the middle of the storm. They have forgotten what God did. And friends, you and I, I believe, are so guilty of this. We, we experience a move of God. God answers our prayers. God works in our life. But yet the next time the storms come, what do we do? God, I just don't think you can handle this. Lord, I just don't know if you can work in this way. And so tonight I want you to know that God sees you in the storm. I want you to know that there's a difference between a correcting storm and a perfecting storm. And if you're here tonight and you're in a correcting storm, the only way to change that is to repent. You've got to be like Jonah and get up off your sin and your rebellion and turn back to what God wants you. But if you're in a perfecting storm tonight, you need to be looking around because God is trying to grow you. He's trying to work in your life in a way. I believe our church is going through that today. I believe we're going through a time of growing and stretching and God is pro pro perfecting and pruning and working because what he has in store for us in the future is greater than what he has now and what we're ready for now. And so, but I get in my little mind, I'm like, well, God, I just don't know if you can or not. God, I just don't know if it's possible or not. And God has to remind me, look down. There's a basket of blessings to remind you. I think about the baptism this morning. 
I just go so happy I want to shout. As George Johnson used to say, I feel a glory coming on. But how quick do we get over it? Well, we only baptized 22 this year. I just tell you, I just, I just don't know what God's going to do. Hopefully 23. Hopefully 24. But yet we get over this mindset. Well, I don't know if God can save my family members. I just, I don't know. I don't know if God can work in our marriage. I want you to know tonight that there are people sitting on these chairs tonight who the world would have said and they would have thought our marriage is over. And God intervened. There are people on these pews, or not pews, chairs tonight, whose family and friends, the doctor said there is no hope. And God did a miracle. You see, friends, don't forget the miracle that God has done in your life just because the storm that you're going through seems to be overwhelming. The second thing I want to show you tonight, if you're taking notes, is not only do storms come to all people, but overcoming fear means stepping out in faith. Overcoming fear means stepping out in faith. Look what it says here in verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And Peter had come out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. There in verse 27, that word, it is I, is literally I am. Jesus says I am. And if you're familiar with the book of John, Jesus says over and over again the I am statements. I am the bread of life. I, I am the way. And over again. And what he was saying is this. I am the one who has always been who is now and will always be. And because of that, what is the very next statement? Do not be afraid. You see, friends, we don't live a life of victory over fear because of us. If you think you can keep you safe from all this world has to throw at you, it ain't going to happen. The only thing that will give you victory over fear is knowing that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His promises that he made yesterday are good yesterday, tomorrow, today, and forever. Jesus is saying, I am. Do not be afraid. And when you are in the middle of life's greatest challenges... When you were in situations that seem unwinnable, you need to remember one simple thing. Jesus is, I am. He is the hope that we have. I love praying for you, and it has been my privilege over the last 10 years to pray for many of you families and, and others of you not as long because you've not been here as long. But I'm telling you, the person who answers your prayer is who gets the credit. The person who hears your prayers is who gets the credit. And when it seems things to be out of control, when it seems things to be falling apart, remember that Jesus says, I am, do not be afraid. The psalmist writes it like this in Psalm 34, verses 4 and 5. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from... All my fears. You see, friends, if Jesus truly is Lord of all, 
That means He is Lord of all my fears. He is Lord of all my insecurities. He is Lord over all of my failures. He is the great I am. And so whatever I need, God is able to supply. What would I fear if I really believe that whatever I need, God can do? I fear my health situation. God can heal me. I fear my my marital situation. God can change it. I fear my lost loved ones dying and splitting hell wide open. God can save them. God can work and move in every area and in every situation that brings me fear, doubt, and insecurity. But I really believe that we have not believed that. I mean, think about how the world has come to an entire stop over the last year and a half. Fear. The fact that we are so terrified to speak the truth in love to people who disagree with us. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I get myself in a lot of trouble, and I'm really trying to do better. But I don't care if you're 14, 22, 72, 82. If you walk up and ask me what a rainbow flag is meaning, I'm going to say it's a way for you to celebrate one thing and one thing only. And if you say, what is that? I'm going to say the rainbow that God created to give us a promise that he will never flood the world again. I don't care if you're the president or you're the most popular kid in school. I don't care if you write my paycheck. Why? Because I know that God can provide for me. I know that God can take care of me. I know that God can take care of my family. And and I need to just trust him. You say, Jake, I'd love to talk to my wife or my kids about the Lord, but I'm just afraid that if I talk to them about Jesus, they, they won't want anything to do with me anymore or they won't like me anymore. You've just got to trust that God can keep relationships and work on relationships and do things in relationships as long as you'll be obedient, as long as you'll be willing to do what God has asked you to do. It goes on in verse 5. And I want you to see what it looks like when God delivers you from your fears. They looked to him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. You see, friends, when you are living in fear and you are living that everything is not going to work out all right, that God is not in control, you walk around like this because you're ashamed of everything. You're worried about everything. You're beat up by everything. But you need to remember that if I seek him and I go to him, that he is able to conquer every fear that I have. The disciples were terrified. Listen to how Psalms 27 describes it. In verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So we're not talking about fearing things. Now it says, whom shall I fear? So you can't just fear situations. You've got, also, it's possible to fear people. But he goes on to say, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see, you have to start living with this mindset that if God be for me, who can be against me? If God has called me to do something, I know that God will accomplish what is necessary. The will of God will never take you somewhere where the grace of God cannot prevail. God will never ask you to do something that his grace is not sufficient to accomplish. God will never call you to build a relationship with someone in hopes of leading them to Jesus, that he will not give you what you need to do that. You see, the disciples were terrified. Now, I think it's fitting on Halloween that we have a ghost verse here, okay? 
The Bible does not, in this setting, anywhere endorse ghosts. All right? Some people say, well, that's what they thought it was. People think things wrong all the time. They said it appeared as that. They didn't know what it was. It was storming. It was raining. And I don't know if you know this or not, someone walking on the water is not a normal phenomenon. You usually don't drive by a red lake and say, hey, look at that guy. He's running laps around the, the water. No. It's just a statement. It appeared that way. And tonight I want you to hear that, that you need to know that even if you don't understand what it is, even if you don't know what tomorrow holds, even if you don't even know what that doctor visit's going to reveal, you need to trust that God already knows, that God already is able. Third and final thing tonight, not only do storms come to all people, and not only does overcoming fear mean that you have to step out in faith, Third and finally is God can carry you when you stumble or sink. You see, fear will keep you from doing things, but there will come a time when if you trust God enough, he'll have you step out in faith. And that looks different in a lot of different ways. Some of you are terrified to talk in front of people. I get it. But I've had my Sunday school class like six weeks. Now I'm looking for a replacement to take my spot. That's kind of how that goes. God might be calling you to teach the Sunday school class that I'm teaching. I'm sure it'll grow and prosper. Maybe God's calling you to lead a prayer ministry. Maybe God's calling you to go on a mission trip. Maybe God's calling you to walk across the street and to pray for that neighbor of yours that's got cancer or kids that are a mess. And you say, I'm not going over there. They'll think I'm one of them crazy prayer walker people. That's not an undead zombie. You're a prayer walker. That means you walk when you pray. It's a very simple concept. But yet we're terrified. We're terrified. And God might say, Jake, God might tell you, it's time for you to step out in faith. But listen to what happens in verse 30. And you're familiar with this passage of Scripture. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little, little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. And don't miss this in verse 33. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly or assuredly, you are the Son of God. They weren't saying that after the bread and the fish. They were still saying, look what's happened. But when he rescued them from drowning, when he rescued them from a collapse of the boat, God worked in such a way that what happened? They acknowledged him as the son of God. I want you to think about it like this. You ever wondered about the Lazarus story? Why Jesus waited? Why Jesus didn't just come when he was sick? I heard a preacher say this today. If Jesus would have came when he was sick, people would have said, well, he probably would have got better on his own. Now, don't miss this. This is really good. And I can't take credit for it. I heard someone else say it. But when Jesus showed up and brought a dead man back to life, everybody knew what? He did it. Don't miss this. Most of you and myself don't want it to get bad enough where people have to say, God rescued them. God carried them. 
God saved them. Because that means the situation is hopeless on our own. But friends, I'm telling you, it is only when it is hopeless in your life then God can absolutely get all the glory and the praise and the honor. That's why I said, Isaiah 30, verse 8, 18, Therefore the Lord will wait, that He may be gracious to you, and therefore He will be exalted. You see, do you ever wonder why Jesus let the disciples row in that boat for hours? It would have been between 3 and 6 in the morning when he showed up. He could have just looked down from the mountain and said, Storm be gone. And it would have been gone. But he waited. Why? Because if the storm would have went away on its own, they'd have said, Man, we're good fishermen. Do you see how good we rowed across that boat, across that ocean? you see how we rowed across that sea? Man, we are good rowers. Or maybe they'd have said, man, we're good navigators. We made it to the other side. The reason I like this passage of Scripture so much, because over in the book of John, chapter 21, it says, immediately when Jesus got in the boat, guess where they were? On land. I don't know if they had rowed that way, but what I believe is this. When Jesus got in the boat, he supernaturally moved the boat from the middle of the sea where it was to the shore. And the reason I believe that is this. They got no credit. He did. And if you want to know what it takes to get through the storms in life, you've got to say this simple thing. God, I will go through anything you allow. God, I will. I will trust you no matter how bad. But I just want you to get the glory. Some of you are saying, that's exactly what I want. I never wake up praying that way. I always wake up like this, Lord, if you would bless my day, if you would make crooked paths straight, if you'd make bumpy hills flat. I mean, I'm fat. I don't want to go rock climbing, all right? I just want smooth sailing. But sometimes God says, Jake, I want to get glory from this. And the only way that God gets the glory is when he is the one that does it. And so tonight, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you're in a storm of correcting where God is trying to break you and humble you and bring you back to him. Or tonight, God is trying to perfect your faith. But either way, God is not late, but he might be waiting. He might be waiting to the moment in your life when you say, Lord, I can't do it anymore. Lord, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. God, I've, I've talked, I've fussed, I've been angry. Lord, but I'm here today saying, Lord, I've got nothing else to give. But God, you can. Do you ever wonder what the disciples were thinking when they were rowing? Thought they were going to die. They thought they were not going to survive it. And I don't know if you know this or not, the Sea of Galilee is not a great big area. It's not a great big lake. It's a large-sized lake. It's one of the most beautiful lakes in the world. 
But if I'm a disciple, I'm thinking in the middle of that rowing situation. Whose idea was it to get in the boat? I'm sure Doubting Thomas said, well, it wasn't me. I would have never got in a boat. I don't know if he'll float. Peter said, it wasn't me. I'm not, I'm not the leader of this, this, this group of people. Just imagine saying, well, didn't Jesus tell us to get in a boat? And now here's where we find ourselves. I want to ask you that tonight. How many times have you found yourself in a storm and said, I feel like God put me here. That's called the providential will of God. That he's allowed you to be somewhere for a purpose. That's hard. But yet God has a purpose. And so tonight I want to challenge you tonight to do two things. One, make sure you're not in a correcting storm. Get along with God and say, God, if there's anything in my heart, anything in my life, that, Lord, that I'm not doing that you want me to do, Lord, I want your forgiveness. If you, tell, if, you, if you tell someone you hate them and they don't want to be your friend anymore, that's not God's perfecting will, that's God's correcting will. But if you're here tonight and you say, Jake, I've never smoked a day in my life and I got lung cancer, I don't understand. Jake, I, I've been a good employee all these years, but yet they laid me off instead of the deadbeat. Jake, I've been a, I tried to be a good husband, I've tried to be a good wife, but yet I just don't understand why my significant other doesn't get it. Maybe tonight God is in a got you in a storm to perfect your faith. And so ask him tonight, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in the middle of this storm? Bow your heads and pray with me. And if you would stand as Jamie comes. Father, tonight I have no idea what the storms this congregation is going through. Lord, I don't know if they're relationship storms. I don't know if they're emotional storms. I don't know if they're spiritual decisions. But Lord, I do know this tonight, that you love them. Lord, I know that you died on the cross to save them from their sins. And Lord, that you conquered death in the grave. Lord, I pray tonight that if there's anybody in this place that's in a correcting storm, Lord, that you'd convict them and they'd repent. But God, I pray for that family that's hurting tonight, that feels like they're drowning tonight, that feels like the waves are overcoming them tonight, Lord. How much more can we handle, it might be the words they're saying, that tonight, God, you've not forgotten them. Lord, that you see their struggle, you see their pain. Lord, that you're praying. <laughs> Jesus is making intercession for them. And Lord, that whatever you're waiting on, it's good. And so, Father, tonight I pray that you'd work in this congregation in a mighty way, not because of the words that I have spoken, but because your word in your spirit. And Father, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.